Welcome back to the program. Immigration certainly seems to be an issue on everyone's mind today. Yet with all the thinking and all the talking, we forget half the story. It's not just about the receiving country and how they deal with new immigrants. It's also about the immigrant experience and how that experience, especially for young people, will shape their lives and in turn their contribution to and role in the greater society of which they become a part. When we look at the mass migration to America back in the early 20th century, we get a glimpse of how this plays out. My guest, Alex Tizan, came to America as an immigrant from the Philippines. He would go on to become a Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist, a former Seattle bureau chief for the Los Angeles Times, and he currently teaches at the University of Oregon. It is my pleasure to welcome Alex Tizan here to talk about his memoir, Big Little Man, In Search of My Asian Self. Alex, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Jeff. Great to have you here. As you look at the totality of this story and when you were writing this memoir, did you think of this story as one about ethnicity or about race? When I first began, I thought in terms of race. And it was partly because we arrived in the mid in the mid 60s we arrived in uh, the united states with seven cardboard boxes and we entered this uh, country that was embroiled at the time in issues of civil rights and and race and uh so race was a preoccupation of this of this country and we 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 adopted we sort of adopted the preoccupations of our new homeland and so we saw ourselves, we began to see ourselves in terms of race. That was the lens that we used to see ourselves and to interpret uh, what was going on around us. Um, as I got older, um, and as I, as I went along on this journey of mine, this personal investigation of mine, I began to uh, make a distance between myself and that idea of race. I, I no longer believe race is the best way to interpret my life or or, uh, or most lives. Part of it that's so interesting in this context, even within your experience, is that perceptions about race and also about ethnicity and as far as Asians are concerned have changed dramatically within the context of your own experience in your own lifetime. Amazing. Amazing changes between the early 60s. Uh, in the 60s, when we first arrived, there were only 800,000 Asians, according to the 1960 census. 800,000 uh, spread across the country. That's almost, that's nothing. We were just a smattering. Uh, and now the population, uh, I believe, in North America is about 20 million. And yeah, in the span of time between the 60s and today, uh, what's that about 50, 50, uh, or 50 plus years, a lot has changed. Yes. So the young Asian Americans growing up in this country are experiencing life much differently than, than I did. And certainly in California, on the West Coast in general, and California specifically, as we look at Silicon Valley, San Francisco, the University of California system, we see such a dramatic change and has such a powerful influence. Yes, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm less familiar with, with what's happening with the University of California system, uh, but I get the impression that 
um, some people believe Asians are sort of invading that system, right, and uh, taking it over. Mm-hmm. Are they are they not vastly overrepresented in in the Cal- University of California system? Extremely overrepresented population wise. When one looks at, for example, UC Berkeley or UCLA in particular. Yes, yes, and they're overrepresented. Uh, Asian Americans are in uh, some of the elite schools on the East Coast as well the Ivy League schools um, and yeah that's uh, that's that's just a, a glimpse of things to come I believe talk a little bit about the issue of masculinity which is really one of the the central things that you write about in this memoir and how you see that perception having changed within the context of this larger framework we're talking about yes I grew up I grew up with the idea, uh, an idea that was uh, uh, prevalent at the time and, and, and still is around today, the idea that, that Asians uh, constituted this more feminine race of people and that, and that Asian men, Asian males, were the least masculine of men. Um, that was just an assumption that I grew up with in our house. Uh, it was unquestioned. And it was corroborated by everything I read in history books at school and everything I saw on television and us boys in movies. We were sort of us um, boys, servants, or background characters. How did you see that play out in your own experience? You know, I, I'm, I tr- I'm trying to determine how much of it was, was self-created and how much of it was real. Because what, what happened was that I... I began to uh, feel uh, like a, a bit of an outcast, um, like not not being able to belong to the group of people that mattered, whether it was at school or at work. I felt I felt at the margins, especially in terms of uh, courtship and uh, dating and mating uh, and that kind of stuff. I was, you know, I, I felt like. Yeah, I was a lesser candidate, in, in a way, lesser candidate for the love and uh, mating and dating game. Because, you know, I, I supposedly belonged to this less desirable group of men. I think that that notion still is pretty prevalent, by the way, today. Talk about that. And given the other things that we've been talking about, how the perception has changed today, certainly how the numbers have changed today, how do you envision young Asian men at in the California university system or in Silicon Valley or in San Francisco, how do you perceive of them reading about your experience and trying to square that with what they experience today? Well, you know what? Based on the feedback that I've been receiving just in the last uh, three weeks since the book was released, uh, there t- I have two observations. There are there's a there's a sense among many of the younger, homegrown Asian American men that that my experience that I'm, I'm in a sense I'm a fossil, a fossil from a different a different age. Um, their experience is a little bit. It's a little bit different. They grew up with Asian role models, and um, they have a different sense of what they're capable of doing, much different than me. On the other hand, they still feel those, those uh, the stereotypes uh, about Asian masculinity. They, they confront those 
um, regularly. It's still it's still a widely held notion. Asian men are not as manly. They're not as manly as other men. And uh, there are there have been um, university studies at the University of California, Santa Cruz, Berkeley, um, Columbia University, uh, looking at. Um, the desirability quotient of various groups and Asian men almost, well, always actually, uh, are rated the least desirable among among men, along with uh, African-American women, um, for whatever that's worth. You know, as an adolescent who is looking for a mate, um, between the ages of uh, you know twelve and the time you get married, looking for a mate is one of those uh, one of those preoccupations. Uh, it's an important thing, um, and it affects life in a daily way. It's interesting that one could argue perhaps that the inverse of that is true within the context of the workplace. That there's this disconnect between the workplace experience and the interpersonal and mating experience that you talk about? In some ways, uh, if, I am, if I'm understanding your statement, yeah, uh, the Asian Americans seem to do well in certain professions. Um, but what, what studies have shown is that uh, Asians tend to make, at least the perception is, Asians tend to make good worker bees, uh, but they don't make good leaders. So... There are studies that show Asians um, being part of the workforce, doing the actual work, for example, uh, in, in certain high-tech I- industries. But only a tiny, tiny percentage actually rise up to management or um, some kind of leadership position. So there's this, there is that sense that people are calling it a bamboo ceiling. Um, there, yeah, there's a sense of Asians being good workers, Good workers, uh, not great leaders. <laughs> but uh, that's also changing. Everything's changing. Right. I mean, one of the other things that's changing is the larger global framework in all of this, that all of this is playing out against the backdrop today of the rise of Asia and the rise of the economic power of Asia, not just China, but really all of Asia. Yes, uh, that, that's a huge factor. And it's it's in fact it's so big it's actually the real story, uh, you know. Forget about these little concerns that I have. Um, yeah, the rise of of Asia economically uh, is is the most significant story probably of this century. Um, in the next twenty or thirty years, four out of the five largest economies in the world are going to be in Asia and. Uh, that's going to change everything. It already is. It's changing things now. Uh, with Asia's rise will come the rise of different perceptions of people, including perceptions of Asian men. Um, with economic power comes the the aura of power as well. And that aura, I believe, will affect the perceptions, um, percep- perceptions even Western perceptions, of Eastern men. What is added to the equation is the fear that it generates, certainly when a dominant power is eclipsed by or threatened by another economic power, it has broader consequences in the in the areas of ethnicity and race as well oh definitely yeah I mean Asian Americans, for example, um, they are 
seen. I teach at a university in Oregon, and you'll go into certain libraries, and it's completely it's occupied by Asians because they're all there studying. Of course, they make the best students on campus. But yes, there are uh, some of the students, the other non-Asian students on campus, feel threatened, you know, by you know this this what they see as this sort of monolithic force that's taking over academia and the schools and that that feeling uh exists in other sectors besides academia so yeah there are certain parts of 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 western society of american society that feels that feels threatened by the rise of asia and the rise of asian americans and that affects asian americans what impact is it having on Asian women. I mean, certainly you can't personally a- a- attest to that, but certainly you have sisters, you have family, you you, you have a sense of, of what the impact is. Yeah, you know, I have six sisters, uh, and the two, two uh, mothers. I was raised by uh, two mothers, um, sur- surrounded my entire life by, by Asian women, and they have uh, their own set of stereotypes mm-hmm. and uh cultural perceptions that, that, that they deal with. It's the opposite. They're seen, Asian women um, are seen culturally as desirable, very desirable. Lots of uh, non-Asian men out there who have a fetish for, <laughs> for Asian women. Um, and it's a very culturally accepted thing. People, could, people talk about it out loud. I love Asian women. I have friends who say that. Uh, but it actually does affect the Asian women, um, uh, not in a frivolous way. Uh, certainly it helps in the dating and mating scene at times, but it's also uh, kind of an oppressive uh, presence for many of them. Um, you know, my sisters get all kinds of attention. They're all, they're all really smart and beautiful, but they get all kinds of attention that uh, most of it they don't want. Just because they're just because they're Asian, and Asians are supposed to be sexy. Uh, <laughs> I know that sounds like uh, you know. Well, what's the problem there? Uh, it's it, it's only a it's a problem when they apply for a job, and the man sitting across from them is looking at them with uh, with a desire in his eyes, um, and it affects the interaction. Uh, so she's seen not as a as a as a job candidate, but seen as perhaps a future sex toy or something. <laughs> um, that's what and that's what my sisters tell me. And I've seen this. I've seen. I have. Uh, you know. I have white, <clears throat> white politically correct friends who are very open about their, uh, you know, their desire for Asian women, and uh, so it's it's not hard for me to believe my sister's stories when they say, yeah, the guy that was interviewing me was actually hitting on me. Is this, in your view, an American phenomenon or a global phenomenon? All the issues that we've been addressing today. You know, that's a great question. Uh, from my from my experience, it, there is uh, these perceptions of Asian men and women, um, they, they, they tend to be in, in Western in Western countries, so in North America and uh, in Europe, um, and 
actually, as as the as the Chinese move into Africa and, and South America, there there are the beginnings of that as well. The beginnings of these perceptions in those areas too. So you could say that it's becoming global. Um, and how do you explain it? I think it's a great phenomenon. I think that would be another. That would be a great second book to write. Actually. The, the, what I looked into, what I've looked into, has been the Western experience, and I, I, I think, I think that most of these perceptions uh, of Asian men as undesirable and Asian women as highly desirable, I think there are roots of those um, in in the what in the, as early as the 1300s in Europe, in Europe with Marco Polo and his writings and. Um, I think that's where you know I've sort of pinpointed the origins of those um, as as far back as that date, and I see the phenomenon playing out mostly in Europe and uh, European dominated spheres. Is it your experience that this has underlined it a positive influence? We certainly saw with the wave of immigrants that came to America at the end of the 19th century, the beginning of the 20th century, that those that were looked on oftentimes the most negatively or those that felt that they had the most negative stereotypes going against them worked harder to overcome that and that ultimately it had for, for the culture a very positive influence. Do you see the same thing playing out with respect to, to Asian immigrants? Yes. Uh, I'm not sure how it's become transformed into a, a positive experience the way you're framing it. Um, but I will, I, I, I can attest to the fact that Asian Americans are doing incredibly well in this country for the amount of time that, that they've been here. So the Asians who live in, in the United States today, for example, on average, on average make a higher per capita income. They're, uh, they are, on average, more educated than um, non-Asians. More Asians have um, advanced degrees, masters and doctorates. Um, they, they tend to be uh, entrepreneurial and... Uh, you know, they in some ways they take over entire sections of cities, and so they're, they're and, and in the midst of all that, you have these individual Asian Americans who are rising to the top you know, in in technology or um, uh, even 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 politics, and that makes all the difference uh, to see people who look like them, who come from their culture, uh, do well, and and to. It communicates the idea that you you can do it too. See, I didn't have that growing up. I didn't have any of those, um, which is a big difference. Um, what, that's another reason why Americans today, especially the homegrown ones, uh, is much different than um, mine. Right. It really speaks to the importance of role models in this whole story. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I hate I hated to go back to that idea that it comes down to role models because it's. It's, it's such a cliched idea, and yet there's so much truth to it. There's so much truth to it. Role models make a difference. Um, uh, yeah, so I today, uh, wow, you, you know, it's, it's it, it, go to any university, and there are outstanding Asian-American um, students and faculty um, and athletes. Um, I mean, you know, for example, at the University of Oregon, we have... The, 
Oregon has one of the best football teams in the country. It's been in the top five or top ten at least for for several years. There are uh, six or seven Asian Americans on that team, um, and if you met them, uh, you know you wouldn't. You know that whole idea of Asians not being masculine would go right out the window. I, I have met them, and there and there are more and more um, Asian men like that too, who are, you know, they're they've grown up eating uh, top sirloins and russet potatoes, <laughs> and, they're, uh, and they're you know a foot to two feet taller than their parents. Um, makes a difference being here. Alex Tizon, the book is Big Little Man. Alex, I thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you. I loved your questions. They were different, and I appreciate you uh, being so thoughtful about uh, talking to me. Thanks. Thank you so much. We'll take a break. I'll come right back.